In the spirit of respect, to honor, and acknowledge the Mokinsis and the traditional Treaty 7 territory and oral practices of the Blackfoot Confederacy, Siksika, Kainai, Pekani, as well as the Stony Nakoda and Tsutsina nations. We acknowledge that this territory is home to the Métis Nation of Alberta, Region 3, within the historical Northwest Métis homeland. Finally, we acknowledge all nations, Indigenous and non, who live, work, and record podcasts on this land, and who honor and celebrate this territory. In this final uh, installment of the Sister Luna podcast featuring Chantal Stormsong Chanyon, we are going to be getting into some of the really important but difficult topics. Um, it's, it's a really important, really, really good listen for a lot of people. Um, but if I just want to put a content warning here, we are going to be talking, not in a, any graphic detail or anything, but we are going to be talking about... Um, you know what the new number is. We're not at 215. We're at a much higher number now. We're going to be talking about that. And if that's going to potentially uh, trigger you or re-traumatize you, please, um, you know, maybe listen to the nice, lovely Blackfoot song we're put at the start of the episode. Um, but dip out, um, certainly, if you feel, uh, yeah if you're starting to feel triggered. I just wanted to put that warning up here. Um, but if, <laughs> if you don't personally, like in your family, you know, have anything and it's just, it's hard to listen to because it is, you know, for all of us white Canadians who love to forget that our country was built on the genocide of people who already lived here before our ancestors ever came. Um, it's very convenient to not think about that. It's very convenient to forget about it. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's hard. It's not easy to think about. It's definitely not easy to look at, but it's something that we have to do. So, without further ado, again, don't get me wrong, it's not just a sad episode. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it's still a fun conversation among friends for the most part, but we do get into these topics. Um, and we're going to start out with a lovely Blackfoot song and then right back into the interview. My feet are pretty black. Right now. <laughs> there we go. Uh, so actually, the reason that the Blackfoot got their name um, Blackfeet is because when they would prepare for the Sundance, they actually would start grass fires oh. to pound out like boundaries, uh -huh. so that you could see the different circles. And so, um, of course, then when settlers came across, they're like, "Oh, your feet are black." So yeah. that's how they got the name Blackfoot or Blackfeet if they're in uh, the states. So yeah, fun Check story. I learned it from a few different friends of mine, but it's uh, originally I think it was shared by Olive, um, Olive Tail, Olivia Tailfeathers. Yes, that is. Who. I was like, what candy was it? Olivia Tailfeathers. Okay, <laughs> uh, but she's awesome. She actually has a bunch of songs that she shared. So uh, repeat after me. Gitsi, Gitsi, Gakko, Gakko, Man, Man, Gitsi Gakko Man, Gitsi Gakko Man, Gitsi Gakko Man, Gitsi Gakko Man, Gitsi 
It's Jonathan. Jonathan. Oh, I love you guys too. <laughs> <laughs> it means I love you. So it means I love you in Blackfoot. It means um, I love you. I appreciate you. I enjoy um, having you in my life. It's like that appreciation and that love for people just existing, which is awesome. And so, <laughs> we are, we're going to sing it to everyone, which is going to be great. So, uh, we're going to sing it to Gakuman, everyone. Then we're going to sing it to Gakuman to Mother Earth, which is Na'ah. And then we're going to sing it to where we live, which is Molkinstis. Molkinstis. And then we're going to sing it to everyone again, because it's just awesome to sing it to everybody. So, uh, repeat after me. Gitsy Gakkoman, Gitsy Gakkoman, everyone, everyone, Gitsy Gakkoman, Gitsy Gakkoman, everyone, everyone, Gitsy Gakkoman, Gitsy Gakkoman, everyone, everyone, Gitsy Gakkoman, Gitsy
this is my last note of something else that you said during the drum workshop that made me so happy was that you said you were talking about getting teachings from elders or talking about elders in some fashion and then you said being old doesn't necessarily make you an elder Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I was like this is my favorite thing (laughs) because there's so many crotchety ass old bastards out there who are not worth following Mm -mm. then like my mom is rolling, like, getting so mad if she can hear this right now because she's, like, that person who's, like, if they're older, they're, like, you respect them automatically and they're blah, blah, blah. And I'm, like, not if they're terrible. Like, <laughs> no, it's what? true. Just age does not automatically mean respect. I mean, you have to earn that respect. If you have to earn respect as a youth, what makes you think that you don't have to earn it as an adult, you know? Yes. Like, and it's it's so important to recognize that i mean in our nations there's children that are considered elders because right. they carry teachings for mm-hmm. their nation because they carry that wisdom that humility piece they they mm-hmm. carry you know that ability to share without judgment and that's the thing like elders true elders they have that wisdom they live by the seven teachings you know of like unconditional love and compassion mm-hmm. of kindness of respect of like reciprocity you know, these teachings that are ingrained or should be ingrained and that we learn, some kids are just naturally, they have it. And so they are leaders in their nation. Um, there's elders, or <laughs> I think elders, some um, some elders will call us elders in the making. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. we're, we're not quite elders yet, but we're well on our way because we're embodying those teachings, uh, which is such a gift. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you carry a ceremony, usually you're considered an elder as long as you act Accordingly. Right. But there are people in the community and they think just because, you know, oh, this person's indigenous and they're old, well, they must be an elder. Right. But they're like, no, like I don't even smudge on a daily basis, you know? Mm. And um, it's a lot of onus to put on someone just because of their age or just because of their, right. um, you know, their racial status. Yeah. You know? And, and they didn't necessarily ask for that. Right? No, yeah. no. And there's some people that will even say, like, I am not an elder. So mm. stop calling me that. But then there's also false elders that'll say, I'm an elder, but mm. I'm sorry, only the community can appoint you as an elder. Right. You, you don't can't do it yourself. <laughs> That's like when people are like, I'm an ally. And you're like, are you? Are you? Who mm. told you? <laughs> really? Who gave you your ally badge, sir? <laughs> Like, ally is not just like a label, it is an ongoing practice. Exactly. Some people don't get that. Allyship is a practice, it's not a label. Yeah. It's not like, well, today I showed up at a rally, so I'm an ally. Right. But uh, when I'm with my family who was incredibly racist, I don't say anything. No, you're not an ally. No. <laughs> when you're passing someone on the street and you hear other people like, shouting racial slurs and you don't step in, you're not an ally. <laughs> If you step over an indigenous person who's on the ground without asking if they're okay, you're not an ally. Yeah, Mm. that's a great one to point out. Because often, I think, especially in our society, you don't want to look at that. You don't want to look at something that makes you feel uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to be uncomfortable. Because if we're not uncomfortable, we don't grow. Yeah. And it's so something that you come across. It's not like it's rare Mm -mm. and everybody just acts like it doesn't happen. Like, I went out for brunch. It was early, it was like 11 o'clock in the morning. Busy 4th Street, like right by where Worst used to be, you know, mm-hmm. that area. It's busy. And there's a fellow, he clearly just crashed his bike. Like, you could tell his bike was laying there. He's laying on the ground. 
And I was like, are you okay? He kind of like pushes himself up a little and he's like, looks at me, looks super surprised that I just asked him if he's okay, you know? And then he's like, yeah, I'm okay. I said, are you sure you want me to call somebody or like, can I do anything? And he's like, no, I'm good. I was like, okay. (laughs) But he looked so shocked Mm -hmm. that I even asked him. And if I'm perfectly honest, I was talking to Trista, who's on the other side of me. I didn't even see him at first. It's not like he was right in my path, you know, he's on, mm. like beside the path, the walkway. And she is the one who said, like, do you see him? Is he okay? And mm-hmm. I didn't see him, but she wasn't necessarily brave enough to say, ask him directly, are you okay? Mm-hmm. But she pointed him out to me and then I was like, are you okay? Mm-hmm. That was like, it took two people to even just do that one very simple thing. Mm. <sighs> we need to do better. We definitely do. I mean, I, and we're, even racialized people are guilty of it. There's these lenses oh, yeah. that, you know, society looks through and mm-hmm. all of a sudden you just judge someone. If you see an indigenous person sitting on the sidewalk, you just automatically assume that they're homeless or they have a substance abuse issue. Mm-hmm. But uh, I recognize that that is not the case because I yeah. work with community all the time. Mm-hmm. And there's been moments when, um, you know, I've been in Olympic Plaza and I see a girl laying on the ground. And the first thing I do is I go up to her and I'm like, hey, are you okay? And then I smell the sweetness on her breath. I'm like, no, she is not okay. She is having a diabetic mm-hmm. shock reaction. Mm-hmm. And so the first thing I do is I grab juice. I go mm-hmm. run into a store, grab juice. I run over to her. I'm like, drink this now. And, mm-hmm. you know, by that time, cops are coming over. And I'm, right. like, and I'm like, you need to call an ambulance. She's going into diabetic shock. And they're like, no, no, she's just, I was like, no, you need to call an ambulance. She's going into diabetic shock. Yeah. And they're like, okay. <laughs> See, that's the stubbornness that I was talking about earlier. <laughs> I'm like, great. don't make me lose my mom's voice because I will. <laughs> I want to imagine you talking to a cop in a mom voice. Listen here, <laughs> Jeff. <laughs> it's a stern no. This is what's happening now. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I'm, I'm kind, but stern at the same time. So mm. When you need to be, right? Yeah. You know, I'm very gentle, but I'll throw it down. <laughs> I'm a mama bear. I will chase down a bobcat and swear <laughs> at it at five o'clock in the morning in my pajamas. I will do that. <laughs> Pretty sure my neighbors are crazy. I think I'm crazy. Every time I walk by, and I'm like, hey, they're like, (laughs) Our neighbors are like that, too. (laughs) For sure. Oh, one of the neighbors down the block was like, was that you screaming at the bobcat? I'm like, yep. All I heard was motherfucking bobcat. Just, yep, yep, that was me. (laughs) Like, don't touch my baby. I will end you. I will punch you right in your bobcat face. You look like you want to say something, John. Yeah. I don't know. The The last couple of topics, I think, all flows from something. Back when you were talking about when we were still discussing appropriation, and you said, like, where are your people from? What are, like, what are their traditions? What are their practices? And to me, one of, like, the big tragedies is that 
this this country, like the the state, I mean, and our institutions flow from like Protestantism and from like Calvinism, which is hyper individualistic and so it it really it divorces you not just from a sense of yourself and from a sense of your history but also from your fellow people and so that is why like once you've you know gone through that crucible and you're trying to take on different like practices of other cultures you can just find in your mind of like Oh, I can take I can take this bits and pieces and like I like using this, but not really acknowledge where it comes from. And I can like go to a reader, but not really like appreciate where she comes from and and like not pay her (laughs) properly. (laughs) Or I don't have empathy for for the person that I see on the street um, because that's that's where God put them. Even though, even though, like, I myself don't believe in God, it's like, everyone is basically where they're supposed to be. And, I don't know, it's, uh, I don't, I don't really know what to do with that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I think, I don't know what to do. <laughs> um, it, it, I would, it, it would be nice if the world could not have flown from that, from that. Like that, if that was not the dominant ideology, if there was like a sense of community, a sense of like attachment and belief, and I don't know, connection, principle, connection. <laughs> yeah. Is community. this maybe why yeah. you did the free lacing style on your drum, John? So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think some people are recognizing that, and they feel that need to connect, and they feel that need for community, and I think this is why social media is so incredibly. Um, popular and it can be impactful but at the same time it's so um, segregating yeah because you're like oh I feel connected look at all of my friends but then you're like but I'm so alone but I'm sitting here looking at a screen yeah and I'm I'm not not connecting with people Um, and it's been really really difficult during the pandemic because there's even those community events that we used to go to you know whether it be a concert or uh, a drum circle in a park or whether it be just going to the park with your kids or your dog and it, it created the sense of fear with connecting with people. Mm-hmm. And that has been detrimental, I think, for mental health yeah. and for connection. And um, it's exasperated that whole sense of individualism. Oh, yeah. Um, Especially like a generation that is already hyper individualistic and like hyper alienated and yeah, lonely. Yeah. Like, Absolutely. It's a very lonely time to be alive. Mm-hmm. And I feel for the youth, especially. I mean, I've got, you know, three teenagers now. I'm a grown-ass man. Um, but they <laughs> do. Like, the girls are really incredibly social. But if they're not in school or if I'm not pushing them and going, you're going out on the land, you're going to a camp, and you're going to connect with kids your own age. <laughs> get out of the house. <laughs> or get off your devices. When I steal their devices, it's the end of the world. Um, but I'm trying to teach them that, connection with human people is far more important you know being able to talk to each other face to face and not Mm -hmm. having to judge and not being able to just shut off a phone when you're not getting along with someone or blocking someone i have never ever blocked anyone on any of my social media 
And people don't get that. Like I've been slandered on social media and I've never blocked those people. Hmm. And because I think it's important to leave those connections open because obviously that person's coming out because they need to heal. So how do we recognize that and how do we repair that relationship? Even though there's some people I definitely take keep at an arm's length. Uh, I don't want let them in my life anymore because of the damage that they have caused. But I'm still there, mm. you know, and open if those conversations need to be reopened. And I think this whole um, I am an island <laughs> mentality, it negates the fact that islands fucking flood. Mm. And we need those people to rely on. Um, I mean, our community wouldn't function if we were just on our own. Yeah. You know, like we even yeah. go to a place of work. It's not just one person. It's several people. Yeah. Even though we feel very detached, we don't realize how interconnected we are mm-hmm. and how important it is to, you know, be open to each other. I think we crave that connection. We crave that connection to Mother Earth because we recognize we're that circle with her. Mm-hmm. We crave that connection to each other because we recognize that's what we need. And I think that's why a lot of people are trying to um, turn to traditional indigenous practices Mm because we get it. We haven't lost that. Mm -hmm. Whereas some people are so far separated that this is like um, almost like um, opening the floodgates Mm -hmm. to connect them to their ancestry. Mm -hmm. But it's recognizing that this is an opening. This isn't the be all and end all. This isn't something for you to take, but this is something for you to use as a tool to find your path. Yeah, so true. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But... I think the reason people take bits and pieces of spirituality from many different practices and teachings is because it's it all stems from somewhere. It all stems from right. the earth. Mm-hmm. And it's about finding your own truth. This is why we have oral mm-hmm. traditions and oral storytelling, because whatever's meant for us, we'll remember. And whatever's mm-hmm. not, won't take up space in our brain. That's but, interesting. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and this is why that buffet approach to spirituality, I think, can be really valuable. But you need to acknowledge where those things have where come from. Where things are coming from. Mm-hmm. That's such a good point. Because when you acknowledge where they've come from and when you're acknowledging the stories that they've come from, it actually teaches you far more. And you get a deeper understanding not only of that practice, but of yourself and those needs that you have. Hmm. So for me, working at the store where we sell... <laughs> I'm sorry, but I'm trying, I'm trying to be a, as supportive as I can in the position that I'm in. Mm-hmm. So would you recommend that instead of me saying there are a lot of people who are very good at this, who are carrying these teachings directly, go find them, learn from them? Should I learn it and then try to explain it to them when they come in? Or have a list of people that they can reach out to. Okay, so I'm doing why I recommended the right like as far as the medicines go, have people like Caitlin, who is, um, she's Métis, and she also is, she carries all of these medicines and all of this knowledge of medicine. You know, have me to come in to teach the medicine wheel teachings and smudging practices. They're talking about doing, what do you call it, workshops again now? Mm -hmm. Like, so, I'll absolutely recommend that. Yeah, absolutely. Because they were saying to me, I don't even know what they're asking me to do exactly because they didn't even specify, but they were like, would you do a workshop? And I was like, sure. (laughs) Like on what? (laughs) What do you want me to talk about? But no, I'll definitely make that recommendation because I think it's very key. And yeah, just, I don't know that the people who randomly pop in for like one bundle of sage are the ones who will show up to the Mm -hmm. workshop or not, but 
At least people will have the opportunity. But you do have your point system, so you know what you do. Because everybody's emails are oh, in that's there. that's true. All and the people all you who do bought say, the stage. Hey, there's <laughs> a workshop. Yeah. No, just send it to everyone. And right. I always say, you know, put it out there to the universe, and whoever's meant to be there will be. Yeah. True. Yeah. And then, you know, the workshop goes really well, and the word of mouth spreads, and then more people are speaking about how to appropriately use those practices and those medicines. Mm-hmm. And that's going to dispel, like, a lot of misnomers in the community, but it's also going to encourage people to do it in a responsible and respectful manner. Yeah. And, you know, the people who need those teachings eventually will get them. That's true. Or get hit by a bus. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The proverbial bus, not an actual bus. I'm not driving a bus around Calgary going, nope. Just kidding. (laughs) Doing a grand theft auto. Just sidewalk clearing. But it's it's true. Like sometimes people will get those awakenings, and sometimes they're not very pleasant. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I did see somebody who claimed they were an elder yell at a white lady who just happened to have sage, you know, and she was <laughs> like, she was floored. She was crying. I went and I spoke to her Aww. afterwards, and I was like. Okay, well, he did kind of have a little bit of a point because <laughs> right. you were basically like, "I can do whatever I want," and mm-hmm. I was just like, yeah. mm, "Well, you can't because yeah. that's not your medicine." Yeah. But you have to acknowledge where this medicine comes from. So I'm like, "Come and come to a workshop." And so when she was there, she understood and she learned, and she cried mm-hmm. a lot when mm-hmm. she was there. Not because the dude yelled at her, but yeah. because she understood the damage that she was actually causing right. by just taking what she needed and not mm-hmm. not acknowledging where it was coming from. Her eyes to mm-hmm. it. Yeah, because you have to think like my answers. My cookum, my grandmother, she was in residential school. Our language was beaten out of her. You mm-hmm. know, she wasn't allowed to speak her language. We weren't allowed. To, to smudge we weren't allowed to wear regalia we like yeah yeah mm-hmm. even singing our songs or our stories anytime she heard our songs or stories like she would have this adverse reaction in mm-hmm. her physical body and go that's wrong we're going to hell because we're sharing this because that had been beaten into her yeah to and, quote the guy on the five dollar bill you gotta kill the indian and the child mm-hmm. yeah absolutely and we're still dealing with that intergenerational trauma. Yeah, and we're absolutely. still dealing with that fear of using our traditional medicines and our practices. Um, and for somebody to just take it because they feel like it, because they want their house to be clear. Well, what about those generations of children that never came mm-hmm. home? They didn't have that option of their house to be clear. No. They didn't even get to come home. You know, And it's... It's a stark reminder every time we read the news. Although they've just completely ignored the fact that almost every week there are several uh, residential schools that are being ground penetrating radar. Mm-hmm. And there's mm-hmm. like, there's over 7,000 kids that have been found. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. But you know what they're talking about? 215. That's mm-hmm. it. Because that was the first. That was the first. That yeah. And actually, technically, that wasn't the first. No. But right. it was Kamloops, the first which is where Orange Shirt Day originated from. Mm. close to Williams Lake and so it's it's recognizing that there seems to be this divide 
Nobody wants to talk about the people in the middle of Canada or the Mi'kmaq on the edge of Canada that mm-hmm. are finding the same amount of unmarked graves. Mm-hmm. Or even the one in, um, here in Alberta, which they found 700 kids in the ground. Mm-hmm. Or the one in Saskatchewan where they found 900 kids in the ground. And those aren't even the bad schools. Mm-hmm. We know which ones are the bad schools. You know, like Labrette was one of the worst schools in Canada. And everybody knows this. And they're mm-hmm. afraid to do it because they know they're going to find mm. thousands and thousands of children. God. But, and now like the elders are like, well, just, just let sleeping dogs lie. No, mm. no, this is a truth that needs to come to the surface and these kids need to be honored. Mm. Yeah, um, they definitely deserve that. But also the government of Canada needs to step up yep. and understand the damage that they've caused and start to actually adhere to the treaties. Because mm-hmm. the treaty is a promise. Mm-hmm. And it hasn't been broken because it was made with tobacco. And tobacco is more binding than any legal contract because it's a spiritual contract. Mm-hmm. That's why we are still here. Because our ancestors, our future generations, they are the ones that that treaty is owed to. Mm-hmm. Not us. We're just borrowing the world from them. <laughs> borrowing the world from them. I like that phraseology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Should we wrap it up? Like I could talk <laughs> forever. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it got heavy real quick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I mean, it's... Yeah. I'm glad that that came up. Because I didn't want to bring it up. Because I didn't want to unnecessarily, like, make you sad. Or, mm-hmm. you know. But I'm glad that we talked about it. Well, well and it's mm-hmm. important. Like, you have to mm-hmm. have those truths shared. You can't just run yeah. away from them. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's it's like um, a wound. If you just keep covering it up and covering it up and don't give it the chance to actually heal, and it just it will fester and it will rot, and then it will just eat away at you until it kills mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. And so this is why you've got to, you know, wash it out, <laughs> clear out any of the stuff. This is what truth is. It's about washing that wound. And yeah, yeah it's going to be raw. It's going to be really exposed, but it's the only way that we can actually start truly healing and what we're feeling now is a lot of people think it's just indigenous people that are hurting but it's not it's everyone because we're feeling that collective guilt and that collective responsibility Mm -hmm. um and that stark awakening it's like this is this is where privilege stems from it stems Mm -hmm. from the lives of children children as young as three years old being buried in the ground it's so hard to wrap your head around the that like to put yourself in the position of the priest or, or the director of those, quote, schools or anybody in power in that situation and to try to imagine, I guess I'm doing this as a descendant mm-hmm. of colonizers, is like, how do you justify that to yourself? In what possible way could you imagine that that's... Like, I... It still, it's, it still goes on. It's, it's still, just it's still called here. CFS. No. <sighs> this I is guess. what racism is. Yeah. That's so, all it is. It's comparing. It's saying that you're better than someone else because of whether it be something on the outside of their body, like their skin color, or whether it be their gender, or yeah. whether it be their orientation, or you know, their class. There are all of these things that separate us and say, okay, I'm better than this person because I have this. Mm-hmm. Or I'm better than this person because I live in this neighborhood. Or I'm better than this person because I'm taller or shorter or skinnier or fatter or whatever. Um, or 
I'm heteronormative, therefore I'm better than all of these other people. (laughs) I'm a white hetero male. I'm better than everyone. And I'm old. Please watch me run for politics. So I'm like, I only want to vote NDP because I don't want a white dude running the country anymore. They've fucked it up enough. Thanks. (laughs) I agree. (laughs) But even then, I'm like, I don't want to vote for NDP because... They still are part of the problem. Yeah. It's these entrenched systems that are broken. Mm-hmm. So can we just vote for somebody who's going to smash the, smash the whole system? Be like, let's vote for a smash the patriarchy party. Can we do that? Vote anarchy. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's so true. Not anarchy, but well, I think responsibility. I think and there's accountability. A, yeah. I don't know. I think a lot of people associate the word anarchy with, like, chaos. That's not really right. No, but you need responsible people um, for anarchy to work. You need people Mm -hmm. who are going to be accountable. 100%. We couldn't do it in our society. People are not that bad. No. No, there's too many sheeple. (laughs) You know, people who aren't willing to take care of each other. Let alone themselves. Like they think everybody else's responsibility is theirs. Like it, it to take care of them is theirs, mm. and that's not okay either. Mm. You know, it's like what is it? Um, my problems are your problems, and your problems aren't mine. <laughs> right. 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 Uh, or just say, oh no, it's not my problem because it doesn't directly affect me. But then as soon as it directly affects you, oh no, this is your fault. I'm like, mm-hmm. no, it's all of our fault. It's a collective. <laughs> we have been screwing things up for generations. Yeah. You know, as first nations people, we always think seven generations forward and seven generations behind. What did our ancestors do to bring us to this moment? Mm-hmm. Are we respecting all of the decisions that they've made, all of the foundations that they've laid for us, you know, all of the uh, sacrifices that they made to bring us here? And all that they've gone through. And then we think seven generations forward, what am I doing to leave a better world for my future generations? Am I leaving a better world for them with good teachings? Am I leaving a good, uh, you know, marker? Am I being a good human? Or am I screwing it up and, you know, letting them hold the bag? I think if even three generations ago we were thinking like that, we wouldn't be in the world that we're in now. We would be accountable to each other. That's very true. Mm Mm-hmm. I for oh, I'm gonna I'm going to source this wrong. There's a <laughs> quote that says, um, "Like you should plant a tree that you'll never sit in the shade of." Yeah, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like we recognize that that time isn't linear; it just continues to go on and on and on. Mm. You know, we do believe in reincarnation, but we also believe uh, in just that energy passing on so it's not specifically our spirit being reincarnated but it's you know our body going into the earth to feed the trees which will feed our future generations yeah mm-hmm. i found it it's indian i thought it was indian but i was scared to say that because i didn't want to be wrong <laughs> blessed is he who plants trees under whose shade he will never sit hmm. jackasses are the ones who cut down too many trees that, <laughs> <laughs> that just sit on shelves <laughs> yeah. especially old growth trees Come on now. I know. That makes me so angry. And like all of this and the mining, it makes me want to, I don't know, strap myself to a rock and be like, no, <laughs> you can't mine this. It breaks my heart. Like it makes me cry. And sometimes when I think of it, I get overwhelmed. And so all I can do is just do the work that I'm meant to do and share, you know, yeah. thoughts, feelings, share what's going on. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm lucky enough that I get to share with many different communities of many different backgrounds that have no idea what's mm. happening mm. in Canada and around the world. And 
Um, I am able to do that under the guise of storytelling and, and, you know, being able to share it with um, medicinal teachings and talking about sustainability through that. Yeah. And when kids hear that, they're like, no, it's this is how we've lived on the land for thousands of generations. What makes us think that the last hundred years, we, we have the right to take that away from our future generations. Just in the last hundred years, we've devastated the entire mm-hmm. earth. Mm-hmm. And how short-sighted is that? And it's the people who are racialized, it's the people who are you know, lower income, it's the people who are the most vulnerable. They're the ones that are going to suffer first. Oh, yeah. But they're also the ones who have the most power if we come together and recognize that we are a community. And the people who are in power actually don't have any power if we're not standing behind them. There's a lot more of the people who fall into all the categories you just listed than there are total number of individual people in the other group, the Calvinist overlords <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, for sure. Well, and I mean, the media definitely has a lot of responsibility in that to make us feel smaller or make us feel yeah. like we can aspire to that. Very true. But it's not something I want to aspire to. It's not the mm-hmm. ideal. No, I think if we recognize and that our passions and those are the things we can inspire, aspire and inspire to be, those are the things that are really going to make that impact. And this is why I always encourage kids to like, what are you good at? What makes you happy? What is your path? Mm -hmm. Because when you find that, all of this other things, all of this like crazy amounts of spending and trying to, you know, buy all of these things to, you know, fit in with everyone else, Mm -hmm. you don't need that. Because you have your connection to the earth and your connection to everyone and your connection to yourself. Because that's how we feel fulfilled. Buying all of this stuff isn't fulfilling anyone. Mm -hmm. But when we find our path, that's more fulfilling than anything. That's very true. Uh, That should have been the end, the sister Luna says. When we find our path, that's more fulfilling than anything. (laughs) (laughs) Uh... Still can be. That's true. (laughs) Thank you so much for being on and mm. for like suggesting that we come to your drum making workshop. And then like we got to come and be a part of that, even though at first everyone was like, who are you? And we're like, <laughs> we're with Chantel. <laughs> it was like such an incredibly mm. wonderful experience. I always love singing and drumming with you, but making the drum was absolutely next level. Oh. And Having you here in my house is the best. (laughs) Thank you for dinner. (laughs) You're very welcome. I wish it had turned out a little better. I should have made something I've made before. (laughs) It was good. It was good. It was great. (laughs) I didn't have to cook. It was amazing. (laughs) Um, But yes, so thank you. Thank you for being who you are. And being in my circle while you do it. I very much appreciate you. Well, I appreciate you both. You guys are amazing. Mm-hmm. Your drums turned out phenomenal. They mm-hmm. did. Mm-hmm. You should see them now. Oh. You can find Chantel on Facebook under the name Chantel Stormsong Chan Young. That's C H A N T A L S T O R M S O N G C H A G N O N. Uh, on Facebook, and she is on Instagram at Storm Shadow Song, and Twitter as well at Storm Shadow Song, and you can find her on YouTube at Chantel Storm Song Chanyong. 
She's an excellent follow in all of these places. Also, her website is www.create8.ca. And of course, you can find us, the Sister Luna Podcast, on Instagram at Sister Luna Podcast. You can find us on. Uh, you can. <laughs> if you want to reach out to us, our email is sisterlunapodcast at gmail.com. Um, yeah. Rate, review, subscribe. Thank you for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Sister Luna says, All my relations. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you should have the Thunderbird song. Uh, not the whole story, the story goes on forever, but part of the story. So, uh, the Thunderbird teaches us, um, it's like fate or destiny. It's that thing that pushes us forward. It's, um, it teaches us that everything happens for a reason, even if sometimes the lessons are really hard. It also teaches us if we're making the same mistakes over and over and over again, eventually the Thunderbird's going to get fed up with us and just kick us in the butt and put us on the right path, which is kind of exactly what happened to me. So the reason I've had the multiple hip surgeries is um, I doubted the path that was in front of me. I doubted this path. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, there's no money in being an artist or a teacher. <laughs> so, um, but... I'm doing okay because I really love my life, which is so much more fulfilling than like a dollar amount, which is awesome. But uh, I was gonna open up a day home and just like watch other people's children. <laughs> and um, yeah, I just had a weird feeling one morning and I woke up with my mom and she's like, I was like, Mom, I have to come with you today. And she's like, Why? I'm like, I just, I have a feeling the Thunderbird's talking to me. She's like, Okay. So we went um, and barely left the house. We were right in front of the children's hospital. and. A lady came out of her driveway and plowed into us. Um, my mom laid on her horn, and instead of stopping like a normal human, she uh, floored it and she hit us going 60. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, which wouldn't have been so bad had I actually been in the car, but I was actually stepping out to pull the car uh, out. But if I wasn't there, my mom would have been the one getting out. She would have gotten crushed and decapitated. So I'm glad I was there. But uh, it popped both my femurs out of my hip sockets and then rammed them back in because I kind of went down into the splits. But then she kept going. She didn't stop. And so it kind of, my foot hit the pavement and then it went and popped them back in. So it was really uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, I saw my face on the roof of the car, cracked a bunch of teeth. It was a bad time. But I was like, I had a moment when I was in the hospital. I'm like, wait a second. Okay, this happened to me and I can either feel crappy about it and be like, oh, what did this happen to me? I'm so sad. Um, or think, okay, why did this happen to me? What was the path that I was on that made this happen to me so I needed to change directions? And I was like, oh, well, I need to be drumming. I need to be singing. I need to be sharing my teachings. And I wasn't going to be able to honor that with the path that I had set. And so the Thunderbird was like, nope, I'm going to mess up your body so you have to deal with your spirit. I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, I'm, even though it sucked to get hit by a truck, it, and it sucked to have the four surgeries, it put me on the path that I'm on now. And so that's why I'm so, so thankful and um, the amazing people that I've met along that path. And it wouldn't have happened had the Thunderbird not hit me out of the track. So it's your intuition because I wasn't listening to my intuition. I was just ignoring it and being like, oh no, this, this seems like the easier path. This seems like a legit path, but I knew the path that needed to be in front of me. And until I got hit by a truck, I didn't really realize it. But had it not been for that, I wouldn't be involved with I don't know more and 
um, other things where I was able to like share my culture and share my teachings and share my learnings and go into schools and so I'm thankful. I'm really thankful for the Thunderbird. I mean, next time I just hope it's a little bit more of a subtle message, but <laughs> yeah, everything leads us to where we need to go next. So it's, it's that reiteration, that reminder that that's what we need. So yeah, that's what the Thunderbird does. Um, it's also our ancestors that push us forward. And so when we ever feel like we're not sure which way to go, we just kind of pay attention, we listen to our gut. That's um, our intuition is our Thunderbird, it's like that internal Thunderbird. And it's um, it comes through our belly button because that's our connection to spirit. That's where we're connected before we come into this world. And so that's where our messages come through our ancestors because it's that connection to our ancestors through our umbilical cords. <laughs> but um, it also reminds us to think you know, towards the future, to our future generations and so. Um, and remind us that even though it's okay to be sad once in a while, not to stay there because it doesn't do anything, it doesn't move us forward. Um, yeah, so we're thankful for the teachings of the Thunderbird, even if sometimes they come in the form of a truck. So, <laughs> uh, but considering it has a lot of meanings, like the Thunderbird has a huge story behind it on how, um, you know, she saw the world unfolding and then eventually she gave us fire. Um, but that's, that's a whole other story for another time. It takes a while. Um, she always teaches us exactly what we need to learn, exactly when we need to learn it. And um, you can either take the gentle path or the hard path. You're going to get exactly where you need to go, but that's your decision, which way you want to go. So, yeah. Um, it's a really short song for something that has so much meaning. Okay, so repeat after me. Gitchi. Gitchi. Ma. Ma. Pe. Pe. So. So. Gitchi. Ma. Pe. So. Gichima peso. Mani tu. Mani tu. Gichiwaino. Gichiwaino. Weya heya heya yo. Weya heya heya yo. Weya heya heya yo. Weya heya heya yo. We hai we hai we yo. We hai we hai we yo. Gichima peso. Thank you. <laughs> I'm gonna be this nice and simple.